Ryan, Tony, and Chris We can't guarantee that you're gonna look great. But if you wanna stay in shape, well, you better hit the chinwits. Welcome to the Gym Wits Podcast. I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, a.k.a. Chef Sonic. And we are the Gym Wits. So, you know, as you know, earlier this fall, I guess it would be I was away for a little bit and I was traveling around the country. You know, I think in the next few weeks I'll be able to actually talk about it. Um, but uh, it got cut short. And, uh, you know, in advance of it, I think it, the o- initially I was supposed to go like 21 cities or something like that. And the one city that I was looking forward to most was um, Nashville or, or probably the most, well, maybe one or you know, one or first or second, as far as the cities that I was going to, I was really excited to go um, just, just a different place. Um, and think obviously great music, good food. Um, everyone said the hot chicken was great. I, and when things got cut short, like that, that was one of the cities I, I did not get to go to, uh, but you were in Nashville. So how yes. was your, uh, how was your trip out to Nashville? It was uh, it was very good. I recorded six songs, and the uh, the studios and the musicians down there are great. They're uh, I've had such a good experience with them. They're very professional and friendly, and there isn't a lot of the ego that you see with with artists here uh, in New York or in L.A., which is a different story. These they're really professional, mm-hmm. and it was a great time. Uh, and I ate pretty well when I was down yeah. there. Uh, there were some nice restaurants. And Nashville is really like an up-and-coming city. As funny as that sounds, it's like, well, how could Nashville be up-and-coming? It's been, you know, Music City for so long, but yeah. it is. No, absolutely. I think I've heard, like, I I used to hear, think of Nashville as, you know, it's a country music place. If you like country music, you go there. But I, I've definitely heard far more people over the last five years or so really talk about that as a, a tourist destination, somewhere where they want to go, <laughs> not just kind of for the novelty or, or the music, um, but that it's really like a... a yeah, yeah, an up and coming place to, to go to. Well, th- yeah, the tourism is, is still huge there. Uh, Airbnb is big. People are buying places just for Airbnb because <laughs> yeah. so many tourists are coming in and they need affordable places to stay. The medical field is actually getting big. Uh, the colleges there are, it, it's all, you know, they're, the colleges are getting, you know, more students that, that want to go. It's really become a destination. Yeah. It's still a bit of a transient town, so people will live there for a few years and then move on, whether they're trying to chase a dream or whatnot. But it's a it's a cool place, and it's um yeah it's it, it, you know it's certainly up and coming. And there and with that will always come really good uh, places to eat. Yeah. Now the it, it's interesting because the style of restaurant that is down there is definitely different from here in. Uh, New York, or that you might run into in L.A. or Chicago, in the big cities. So it's a lot of like sort of barbecue places or these sort of bar restaurants. So you see a lot of that. Um, and there's some local favorites as well. And Ryan mentioned the hot chicken, which I really enjoyed. It's just really, uh, depending on where you go, it was really good uh, hot chicken, meaning it's it's fried and there's a, like a hot sauce, and they have different levels of heat depending on your taste. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's it's not amazing. Like you want to go there just to have the hot chicken, you know. But it's I solid. know a couple people who who do go there just for the hot chicken. Yeah, I you know I don't think it, it's you know, and I love fried chicken, but there's a lot of good. You could get good fried chicken anywhere, and the fact that it's spicy, eh, 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 yeah, it's all right. Yeah. My actually, my favorite meal there was at a slightly more upscale place. It had some of the best cornbread I've ever had, and a really good like meatloaf with um, 
you know, a, a cream sauce over it. It was just delicious, but I enjoyed much of the food that was down there, and I just enjoyed the experience. So you should definitely go when you get a chance. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm hoping it'll be a destination. I think uh, the next place we go in the country on the, on a vacation or like a long weekend will probably be Nashville. I think it's up there on my list. But yeah, I was definitely disappointed. And, I didn't and, get to go. and of course, now, um, well, uh, we're recording this the day before Thanksgiving. Oh, I don't yeah. know when, when it's going to go out. But basically after Thanksgiving, it's going to be all like kale and broccoli and spinach, you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, white meat chicken and, and salmon from here on. <laughs> oh, right. <see. laughs> I've gotten I've gotten fat in the last uh couple of weeks because I've just been so busy. Yeah. So um gotta go hit it hard at the gym again and start, you know, eating rabbit food. <laughs> yeah, well no, Thanksgiving's coming up. It's gonna be fun. I'm gonna have I think two meals tomorrow at nice. so and um and my mom who lives in California but is in New York for the week or for the last couple months really she's at my brother's so she's gonna cook which is good because she she cooks very well and (laughs) and for our uh international listeners uh thanksgiving is the uh you know is basically the celebration of the united states slaughtering all the native (laughs) americans i I know it's 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 awful but it is kind of it is morbid but it's so yeah it's morbid i kind of yeah and and i don't want to sound too political but it's like Really, it's supposed to celebrate, you know, celebrate, you know, our our sort of founders yeah. and settlers. But it's like, come on. I mean, that's what well, it is. Okay, look, at, at the end of the day, it's, for me, I think all these obviously they, they're all cultural and they're and they're they're part. They're, it's ingrained in our culture. So I think I, I try not to think too deeply about the meaning of Thanksgiving, and you just think of it as we get give to give thanks get, for you, what you, we at this have. Point, you get together with family and you just eat a eat a ton of food uh, it's kind of like christmas like i'm not religious but and my like my my dad's jewish uh, my mom's christian my dad says he turned atheist the day of his bar mitzvah so uh, and my mom you know tried and mom's side of the family tried and failed to in- indoctrinate me so i grew up pretty much atheist ag- agnostic atheist you know depending on the time of you asked me, I would give you one or the other answer, but um, I still love Christmas um, because I get tons of presents, and my Jewish dad would always just shower me with presents on Christmas, and still does, you know. So, um, um, you know, so it's same thing with Christmas. Like, you know, it's become mostly a secular holiday now. If you're very religious, um, I'm, I don't mean it to be offensive, and and I and obviously there's gonna be more meaning. For or, or a different kind of meaning for you, you know, around that time of year. But the reality is, I think a lot of these holidays, clearly they, they morph into what they are. So I think, you know, if you think, if I, if I think too deeply about, oh, well, I wake up, you know, Christmas day and open presents, but I'm an atheist. I'm a bad atheist. Like, no, it's just, it's just part of our culture. It's, it's yes, what we yeah. do. But yes, it, we are, tomorrow we will be eating tons of food to celebrate our slaughtering. Um, basically just an entire. Taking people. over of a, yeah, <laughs> taking a many, many, yeah. Yeah. Different people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just pretend that didn't happen. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just what the U- for what yeah. what's what the U.S. and but all countries are pretty yeah, much good enough. at. Yeah, just like for, forgetting you know the wrongs atrocity. that they've done yeah. and just you know <laughs> yeah. being moving on. But that's a different podcast. That's a different podcast. Yeah, <laughs> Today we're, we're going to talk about it. how to moderate and control your eating and lose weight. No. Um, we actually have a great interview. Uh, what do we have on tap today? So we have Esther Avant, who is a weight loss coach. And she has some some great insight, and she's really along uh, along the lines of the Jim Witz way of thinking. And you guys will certainly see that. So enjoy the interview with Esther. Hey everyone, we are here with Esther Avant. How's everything, Esther? I'm great. I'm actually on uh, finishing up vacation on Kauai right now, 
and oh, nice. um, really excited to be talking to you guys. Awesome. Oh, wow. So what, what time is it right now? By, it's so a it's, little bit after 9 a.m. Okay, got it. So oh, wow. it's like 2 o'clock uh, in the afternoon in New York. So I was wondering, it was, uh, it was windy, and then, I, and then I, on, the, on the video that I briefly saw you on, you were like, it seemed like you were outside, and it seemed like beautiful and tropical and awesome. And I was like, I, I yeah, wish I I'm was where the... <laughs> she was. I'm in the hotel lobby, um, and even that is super nice. Mm. It's got like a roof, but then it's like open walled. So yeah, I really can't complain. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice, nice. So um, Esther is a weight loss coach, which, uh, as we know, is certainly very important nowadays, and it's uh, definitely a big field, and I'm excited to talk to you about it. But as always, uh, the first question we ask is about your own fitness journey and your background. How did you get into fitness? Yeah, so I grew up in a very small town in Maine, and I went to such a small high school that like anybody who wanted to play sports could, like there were no tryouts, nobody got cut or anything. So despite not being particularly athletic, like I played sports, but not well. Um, Reminds me and of me. in the middle of high school, I discovered, <laughs> um, I discovered just like going to the gym and working out on my own and realized how nice it was to not kind of feel the pressure of a team relying on you or people like watching your performance. Um, so I was really drawn to it because it felt good to exercise. I liked the way it was changing my body. I liked the way it made me feel. And I liked that it was just something that I could do on my own. Um, so I got really into to gym workouts in kind of the, the tail end of high school when you have to start making like those life decisions, like where you want to go to college, what you want to do with your life. Um, so I have now realized that I was misremembering this quote from Office Space, but Office Space was my favorite movie at the time. And there was some exchange in there about whatever you would do if you had a million dollars is what you should do for a job. So I was thinking, all right, I guess if I had all that money, I would just spend all day in the gym, which led me to going to school for exercise science. And you know, that sort of made me realize that spending all day in the gym with clients meant that I had a lot, of le- a lot less time to work out myself. But just kind of immersed me in that gym environment and then working with my clients there is what led me to pursue nutrition certifications so that I'd be more well-rounded and be able to help people out. But that was basically how I started out was I just liked being able to, you know, work out on my own and see the changes in my body and see how much better I felt and then want to help other people do the same. Cool. So, so when you made that transition, was that during college or did you kind of or when you turn, kind of made your transition into, uh, I guess, being a fitness professional, was that while you were in school or did you finish your degree first and then kind of enter into the fitness industry? I started in college. So I, my freshman year of college was 2004. I got my personal training certification in 2006 and started training at the, I went to Boston University, started training at the student gym there that's working with either students or professors or, you know, somebody who has access to that gym. And then I started working the front desk at the Gold's Gym right outside Fenway Park. So that was really cool. And I got to see kind of the, the administrative side of running a gym as well as the actual personal training side of it. And I did those, you know, very part-time when I was in college. And then I got my first, uh, my first job out of college was at a Boston sports club. And I was there for, for three years and did personal training and then eventually got into gym management. Nice. 
So you specialize in uh, in weight loss, for, uh, most uh, mostly for women. Now, how did you get into that? What made you decide that that was the the uh, the direction that you wanted to go? So I guess a number of factors. First one being that some of my initial clients when I was working in a commercial gym were women that I grew very close with and realized that, you know, they were kind of my ideal client is uh, sort of a woman in her, you know, 30s to 40s who's relatively sedentary, has struggled with her weight for a long time, is you know, generally like a, a working professional or, you know, a working mom who just has so much on her plate. And kind of the common thread was that she tends to put everyone before herself. So I saw like all this good in these women and, you know, everything that they were kind of pouring out into other people and just how, how little was left over for themselves. And I was just really drawn to trying to help women like that realize that A, they deserve to put themselves first sometimes and to prioritize their health. And then B, that they can be much more useful to other people when they themselves are healthy. So that was kind of how it started. And, you know, obviously with the growing obesity epidemic in the States, you know, there's just such a need to address the root of people's weight loss and then also how to keep their weight off once they've made the changes that there's so many quick fixes out there. And there's so many people that will tell you, I'm going to help you lose, you know, 10 pounds this week or, you know, buy these pills, buy this plan, buy these supplements, and you're going to drop all this weight fast. And sometimes they work, but you know, what's the point if you're going to end up right back where you started or even heavier? No. Um, you know, the, the real issue isn't how to lose weight. People can often figure that out for themselves in the short term. The real issue is how to make these long-term changes so that you can stop going up and down and just start being a person at a healthy weight and not having to, you know, think about it or obsess over it. Hmm. Now, uh, Ryan and I have actually done an episode on what we call day zero, and it's basically when you're starting a fitness or weight loss plan, it's sort of your, your very, almost even before your first step. So now when starting a, uh, a, a, your journey you know, to try to lose weight or try to get healthy, what is sort of the very almost before you start and then the first little bit of information or the first way that you like to approach getting someone into that? So I think one of the most important things for day zero is setting realistic expectations Something I run into time and time again is that women and men, I'm sure, but I, since I work primarily with women, I'll say that, um, that women who are experiencing really great progress are beating themselves up about their lack of progress. And that just stems from a disconnect between what is healthy and realistic and feasible and kind of what has been put out into the, the I guess, like the internet about, you know, what they can expect. So, you know, when you have all of these supplement companies or multi-level marketing companies or whatever telling you you're going to drop, you know, 30 pounds this month, that or when you see on Biggest Loser that they're losing, you know, double digits every week, we start to anchor our expectations to results like that, even knowing that they're probably, you know, far-fetched or these people are in an absolutely different environment they're they're doing nothing but you know 
sleeping and working out and being given all their meals that, you know, that it's just not realistic. Despite that, we kind of anchor expectations to those numbers. So when we set goals, even if we say, okay, if the people on Biggest Loser are losing 20 pounds a week, I'm going to set my goal to lose 10. That's half of what they're losing. Surely I can do that. Then when you have a week where you lose two pounds, which as we know in the fitness industry is a great week, um, we feel like, oh my God, I, I fell eight pounds short. I'm a failure. I'm working so hard. I might as well just give up. So all that to say that I think day zero, it's really important to focus on setting and managing expectations that um, you know, we need to be really clear on what is going to be a good week for you and not just focusing on the numbers, but also figuring out what other metrics are important to track. So, you know, as we all know, you can't control the scale. You can't control your measurements. You can't control, you know, what your body does on the inside, but you can control how many workouts you do, how you eat, things like that. So I always encourage clients to, you know, A, figure out what is realistic weight loss on the scale. And then also what are some direct things that they can control that they can focus on and say, okay, if I get my workouts in, if I make these changes to my diet, then no matter what the scale says, I'm going to chalk this week up to a win. So that's my, you know, my very first step. And then I guess like the day one stuff is having figured out what is manageable for them. So instead of saying, you know, instead of my dictating, you're going to work out six days a week this week for an hour and a half. And, you know, somebody saying, okay, I'll try and falling way short. You know, we, we sit down in that initial phone call and we say, all right, given your schedule this week, given all of the, you know, the pulls on your time, what can you do? Is it, is it three, five minute movement breaks a day? If so, let's set the bar there. So day one is getting started on whatever those realistic goals we set are and starting to just kind of check the boxes and get those early wins. So just, um, sort of piggybacking off of what you said. You said something oh, you, uh, the client's going to try to do this. What is your opinion, uh, just sort of like a little sidebar question, on words like try and hope and that, that sort of idea where this sort of new way of thinking is like you don't try, you do. You don't hope, you make it happen. So I'm just curious if, you're, if those words bother you or if they're just sort of that's just part of the vernacular and you don't get too caught up on that. You know, I didn't, they didn't used to bother me. And then I realized that mm. that was also kind of a limitation that I had with myself is that like in growing my own business, I would say, you know, okay, I'm going to try to talk to this many people or, you know, I hope that I'll have a good month and I'll get some new clients. And I realized that those are limiting words. Those are kind of giving yourself an out because you haven't truly committed to whatever you're saying you want to do. So I kind of learned that through my clients is when they would say, okay, I'll try to get my workouts in. I knew that at the end of the week when we talked, it was going to mean that they hadn't and that they had kind of built in an excuse for themselves. So I realized that I was doing the same thing with myself and started changing my vernacular. And now I call my clients out on it as well. You know, I say, okay, you don't, you know, we're not going to try. We're not going to hope. We're going to set goals that are so achievable for you that there's no doubt in your mind that you're going to achieve them. So if what we've set so far is something that you have to, you know, that you're not really sure on, that you're hoping you'll be able to do, then let's scale it back. If you, if you'll try to get in four workouts this week, how many can you get in for sure? Is it one? Is it two? That's fine. I'd rather set the goal smaller and have you knock it out of the park and feel good about it than to end up feeling like we're spinning our wheels week after week, trying and hoping to accomplish things. 
So be, kind of being in the industry, we both know that the expectations versus reality are, are pretty distant uh, as far as you know what we see in the media, what people come in often expecting to do, and even what people kind of earnestly believe they can do versus the, the reality of, of life. So how do you kind of reframe um, people's expectations to meet a more realistic kind of um, – output because i you know i think we both know that the right you, you know your approach is the right way to approach it but for many clients when they come in they they do have those kind of unrealistic expectations um how do you reframe it without them being discouraged or being frustrated by by maybe not you know getting the super fast results that they expected but actually by kind of tempering those and doing it over an extended period of time right that's a great question and it's something that i think the conversation has to be recurring because as much as you can reframe and you can, you know, get, get everybody on board, of course, you're going to have periods of frustration, especially if you've experienced that rapid weight loss before. And, you know, you're kind of saying, you know, well, last time I was down 10 pounds at this point, you know, obviously what we're doing isn't working because I'm only down four. Um, but I think really it comes, it comes down to kind of an open conversation. I'm very, I'm very much into having my clients lead where we go. So, you know, if they express frustration with me and say, you know, I want this to be happening faster, I'll say, okay, you know, what we've been doing so far is based on what you told me seemed feasible for you at this point in time. Do you feel like you can handle, you know, a, a more restrictive diet or, you know, a, a more serious cut to your calories or a major increase in your workouts? Um, and kind of let them guide the conversation. And sometimes it does take um, a week of, that more intense approach to have somebody realize like, Oh, you know what? That's actually not working for me. When I tried to do my six workouts for 90 minutes. And when I tried to eat, you know, the, the very um, low calorie or very restrictive diet that we set up, I wasn't able to do it. And it can kind of be a reminder of, Oh, there's a reason that I was doing it in a, in a more moderate fashion. Um, I think it also helps to, revisit their past weight loss experiences is when I have a, uh, an initial strategy call with someone and they're deciding whether they want to work with me, you know, they'll tell me about their past weight loss experience and they'll often say, you know, yeah, I lost a bunch of weight. It felt really good, but I hated that it was so restrictive or I hated how much time it took or I hated that I, you know, whatever there were, there are aspects of you know, whatever they did in the past that they didn't like. And despite the fact that they saw results in, you know, initially, they weren't able to maintain them. So sometimes it just takes, you know, kind of that reminder is I'll say, you know, all right, the, the approach that we're taking right now is based on your past experience and what you didn't like before. So has something changed in that? Or do you feel like maybe it's just um, that you have to, you know, kind of accept that this is going to take longer than you'd like. And it's always helpful, as I'm sure you guys know as well, it's always helpful to kind of ask the question, if you were to lose 20 pounds, but it took you six months, um, but you never gained that 20 pounds back, would you prefer that? Or would you prefer to lose 20 pounds in two months, but in six months, you're going to weigh the same as you did before? So that can just kind of put it very, you know, very black and white. Like, yes, it may take longer, but it's gone for good. Or do you want it to take less long? And in six months, you'll, you'll maybe have lost it and gained it two or three times by now. So I think those conversations are just ongoing because it is frustrating. And in any 
in anything you do. It's frustrating when results don't come as fast as you'd like. But when you look back and, and think, all right, I didn't gain this weight in a week. I didn't gain it in a month. I gained it over years. You know, that's kind of, it, it comes off as fast as it comes on, which is annoying, but that's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, for, and for sure, we, we know the, uh, the sort of pitfalls of losing weight and gaining and losing and gaining. We know that the more that someone does that, it actually has a sort of detrimental effects on their health. So Absolutely, what yeah. What you're, you know, you're proposing, which is the sort of the, the slow burn, we, we realize that that's really the best way. But I'm, so I'm curious what your sort of overall approach is. And of course, we know that every client is different. But say you take a woman who is very average, right? Five foot four with maybe 20 to 30 pounds overweight, generally in good health, doesn't have any injuries or any dietary restriction that doesn't insist on being uh, you know, vegan or gluten-free or something like that. What are your approaches? Do you like to have them do sort of a, a variety of, say, cardio and weights? Or do you like to do more intervals? Now, for the food, do you say uh, avoid all sugar and dairy or, and processed foods? Or, do you, or is it more about calories? Like, what's your, what do you like to, to, uh, to do? How do you like to approach it? Great question. So on the exercise front, I find that most women either do a lot of cardio or they focus on high intensity interval training, either of which are bad, but most of the women that I've come across <clears throat> excuse me, tend to shy away from strength training, either because they're unfamiliar with it or because they believe kind of the myths out there about it making them look bulky or, you know, any of the, any of the ridiculous things. So my primary focus with their exercise programming is strength training. And depending on, you know, how many days a week we're committed to and things like that, I'd say the, the typical is two to three full body workouts a week. And most of my clients are either exercising at like a, an apartment complex gym or in their homes with pretty minimal equipment. So it's primarily dumbbell based and body weight based stuff that they can do in less than an hour. I'd say 30 to 45 minutes is average. So the focus is on total body strength there, just kind of starting with the, the fundamental movement patterns, the squats, the presses, the pulls, the um, hip hinges, and building some confidence there, just you know, showing them that they can move safely. You're not going to you know, like turn into a man overnight or any ridiculous thing that they might think. And just kind of reiterate that the strength training complements the diet in helping transform their body into what they want it to look like. And I think there's often a disconnect, like they'll come to me with, you know, a picture of a celebrity or, or a picture of, you know, kind of their ideal body. And they'll think that they have to get that, that the way to get that is through hours on the treadmill and eating as little as possible. So I do a lot of educating on the benefits of strength training and the importance of not under eating. You know, obviously most of the issues come from overeating, but sometimes the pendulum can swing too far the other way. And now it's like, how, how little can I eat? Obviously I was eating too much. Now I need to just like starve until all this weight is gone. And it's important to educate on, you know, kind of the different changes that your body can undergo that you don't want to end up skinny fat either. You know, what you're, the way you're really, for most women that I work with, the objective is to have kind of that lean, muscular, feminine look. 
Um, and, and that's achieved through strength training and through, you know, intentional eating. So in addition to the two to three strength training days, depending on their availability and willingness, I usually do one high intensity interval training day and then one, uh, longer steady state cardio day. And I kind of consider those two like the optional, like if your top priority is your strength. And then if you have, have time do you know one of these other two and then on the nutrition front I really don't like to tell my clients they can't have anything um, I, I take a pretty flexible open approach to whatever foods you enjoy eating and make you happy let's make sure that you can still eat those to a certain degree so the first thing I do is have a client keep a three-day food log and my preference would be in a tracker like my fitness pal where we can get like super detailed with the quantities and the macros and things like that. But depending on, you know, willingness and, and feasibility, sometimes it's just pen and paper, sometimes like photos of what they're eating and drinking. But I want to get a good handle on what like their average is. And then from there, that's where we get into kind of the individualized, like you were talking about, you know, there's no blanket diet that works for everybody. So we kind of look at what are the areas of opportunity. Typically what I see is not eating enough lean protein, not eating enough veggies, relying too much on processed or packaged foods, and just major inconsistencies in intake that one day it might be, you know, 2000 calories, the next day is 900. Like it's just like all over the place. So before we even focus on any very specific targets, I say like, let's work on getting a little bit more consistent just with your, your day to day. And once, you know, and we'll talk about strategies to do that. And then once we're a little bit more consistent day over day, that's when we can kind of figure out, okay, if you're averaging 1900 calories a day and you're maintaining your weight, now we know how to start working on a deficit and start, uh, start dropping some fat. So typically my two priorities are total calories and protein intake. And I'll give a range of those because, you know, as we know, there's no like one magic number that you need to eat, you know, 1612 calories in order to lose weight. Like that is, everything is estimates anyway. So I'll give about a 200 calorie range and then a protein target and basically say like your goals are to get as close as you can to, to that calorie range and to hit your protein target. And then wherever else your fat and your carbs fall, is fine because for most people doing those two things is where the results come from. And there's so much personal preference involved in the carbs and fat that it, you know, it almost doesn't really matter for the most part. If you're getting into competing or things like that, you want to hone in a little bit more. But for my clients, they can pretty much, you know, use those interchangeably and have one higher than the other on a day-to-day basis. And it doesn't impact too much. So now are you, well, I guess a couple questions. I guess I get to the first one. Um, what are what are some common errors that people do make? Um, I guess one thing would be what are common errors that um, or misconceptions that you see? So things that people do that they think are healthy, um, and then maybe some common things that you may, maybe even trainers kind of advise their clients on doing that are, that are wrong. So I guess just in general, any 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 kind of common misconceptions or food errors that you see that then as a trainer and and a weight loss specialist you have to kind of correct. Right. So the biggest misconception that I run into with my clients is the thought that 
they need to eat as little as possible in order to lose weight. And, you know, this at, at the beginning, like that's, that's true. You don't get overweight from eating too little, but when you chronically diet and just restrict your calories over and over and over again, your body doesn't want to let go of that weight. So it has, you know, those systems in place to hold on to weight, which we know is metabolic adaptation usually isn't a term that clients are familiar with, but I have to do, I have to do a lot of educating on how it is that you can be eating, you say, you know, 800 to a thousand calories and not losing weight. And yes, there's often the issue of, you know, miss, uh, miscalculating how much you're actually eating, forgetting to log calorie dense drinks or things like that. But I, I have run into a good number of women who are truly eating very little and not losing weight. And it's very kind of scary for them when I say the first thing we're going to do is increase your calories. They're like, no, no, no. Remember I hired you to lose weight and now you're telling me to eat more. They have to kind of battle against that misconception and explain that now we need to, to kind of get your metabolism back to a healthier place. And part of the reason that you've been feeling so low energy and so run down and so reluctant to do stuff is because of how little you're eating. So by increasing your calories, you may actually start to see that scale moving again because you're moving more because your body is functioning better. So that's one of the big things I run into is that there's a major, um, major struggle with eating enough to fuel their bodies. Um, so that's, that's the big thing. I'd say eating too little protein is something that I see a lot also. And just really not recognizing the importance of it that yes, you know, calories are the most important thing, but you know, since typically the end goal is to lose fat and not lose muscle, we want to make sure that you're taking in sufficient protein. So I do a lot of educating about the importance of that as well and ways to increase your protein without, you know, feeling like you're just eating egg whites and chicken, you know, nonstop. Those are probably the biggest two I see with clients. I'd say, I mean, overall in the fitness industry and the weight loss industry, there's just, there's so much that I take issue with. I guess the biggest one being multi-level marketing companies and the people who work for them kind of forcing these supplements onto people and making it seem like, A, you need any supplement in order to be successful at losing weight and B, you need like the supplements that I'm trying to sell you. Um, So... I've had a lot of clients who will come to me and say, you know, okay, I take, you know, whatever, you know, I take Herbalife this, or I take Advocare that, or, you know, they've, it's kind of gotten ingrained in them that like, I'm, I need to rely on this particular protein powder or this fat burner or this supplement stack in order to be successful. And that's just not the case. So I try to educate my clients on, you know, not just the role that supplements should play, which is to supplement your otherwise healthy diet, but also to be wary of somebody who has you know financial gain from you you know from you doing what they say (laughs) that you know they have a vested interest in in you doing a certain thing and you buying their products in which case you want to be skeptical of what they're telling you i'm not saying that you know every person who's involved in the multi-level marketing company comes from a bad place or that they're all giving bad advice but you know i just feel like if the if the core of your you know program or system is purchasing a bunch of supplements first, like that's, you know, you're, you're not, 
you're not necessarily getting an honest um an honest person who, who truly wants to help you in the right way. You know, if you think about it, like, do you want to be on these supplements for forever? If you are convinced that you needed them to lose the weight, now are you scared to stop taking them out of fear of regaining the weight? Like, you just don't, you don't yeah. need to be and you don't want to be relying on expensive and unnecessary things to, to be healthy. So that's the biggest thing that I battle is like, no, you don't need to continue taking, you know, X, Y, and Z. You need to be eating more whole foods and focusing more on moving and stress relief and sleep. Um, so that's probably my biggest beef. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's funny. I wanted to do an episode on multi-level marketing, and uh, Ryan and Tony sort of poo-pooed the idea. They didn't really want to do it, but I still want to revisit that. Maybe we'll have you <laughs> back on to, to talk about that because I think it's actually very important. And perhaps you could borrow one of my sayings. And it's, it's basically anything that has the word ISO, Nutra, Genics, anything yep. like that, buyer beware. Because anything yep. with that sort of a name. Uh, <laughs> I totally agree. Something and to I know like, it, it feels like it's uncomfortable for me to feel like I'm like calling out those, you know, those companies and the people that work for them. Because I know that you know call a lot out. of the people, uh, a lot of the people do have good intentions. You know, people who get involved, sure, and you know, they do want to help people. And yes, if people if they feel like these products are why they lost weight, like I understand why they want to like shout from the rooftops, like this is what worked for me. Um, but I take issue number one with you know kind of lay people calling themselves coaches yes. or trainers without any kind of qualification. When here I am having spent you know, thousands of hours and, and thousands of dollars yes. getting qualifications and getting experience and, um, and, and honing my craft and, you know, welcome to, to the, welcome to the age of the internet, <laughs> right. To feel like we're all being lumped together. Yeah. You know, I don't want to have to, you know, claw my way out of being lumped in with, yeah. you know, with this, uh, no. with this group. Tell um, me about it. And and, it's also a religion. I think that they're, that it's a cult. A lot of those. That's, that's it too. It's you <laughs> like these firm believers that you know. It's like you start to call them out, and it's like they release the hounds, and all yeah. of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, oh. you know, that was a can of worms. Yeah. But I think it's important to do. You know, I think yes. as uncomfortable as it is, I'm getting more comfortable being vocal about it because because it's important. Yeah. One thing um, one thing I found interesting is you're uh, looking over your blog. Um, you have some very you know, creative but more just interesting um blog topics that that like just the topics like um some things that that we came across like you know what causes cravings um is more self-control really nef necessary um keys to being patient they're all really um a, a lot of the topics are really things that are really interesting and I, I think very practical and actionable for for many clients so kind of what's your process for for figuring out what you're going to write about because i do think they're, they're you know and, and it's not just me saying it because you're our guest but that that you have some titles that i think are really effective and, and and are useful rather than your kind of standard the standard stuff that you will see on most fitness blogs out there i really appreciate hearing that thank you and actually you know if you scroll back far enough if you scroll back a couple of years my stuff was you know kind of very standard vanilla um what I thought my clients wanted to hear. And I've since probably in the last year or so gotten much smarter in a way that like now in hindsight seems very obvious, but I've just started asking my clients what they're struggling with and what they want to read about and what they need help with. I run a Facebook group that's grown over the last probably 18 months. We have about a thousand members now and I've taken to just, you know, I message every member and I, you know, thank them for joining and I ask them how I can help them. And when I welcome new members each week into the group, 
we have a post of like, what's the, what's the biggest question that you want answered? And I've started just kind of solving those problems and answering those things. And I, it's gained so much more traction. It's been so much more useful for people because now when they say I'm struggling with, you know, I'm not motivated. I've got a blog for that. I need to stop eating so much junk food. I've got a blog for that. Like I've just taken, you know, the recurring questions that I get and I've turned those into my content. And it's been, you know, I'm not having to reinvent the wheel and type out this, you know, lengthy message every time somebody asks. And it's actually, you know, solving the problems that clients have. So I, I appreciate hearing that they seem, you know, unique and, um, and things like that because I'm glad that they are. And I'm glad that they are solving the problems of a very specific clientele. Awesome. So now you have a program that you're, uh, are you currently working on it? Have you finished it? Is it ready to be released? So I'm kind of putting the finishing touches on it. Um, it's called Gone for Good. And it's a 12-week weight loss program with a focus on maintaining your weight loss in the long term. That, like I've mentioned kind of repeatedly throughout uh, the podcast is losing weight isn't usually the issue. Pretty much everybody who comes to me has lost and gained weight repeatedly. So it's not that you don't know how to lose weight. You probably haven't been doing it in the most effective or healthiest manner. But, you know, actually just like seeing the scale say less isn't usually the main issue. The main issue is that you can't keep off the weight once you've lost it. So my Gone for Good program focuses on like losing it for the last time. So it's a combination of your exercise programming. I've got what I call body blast workouts, which are 30 minute full body workouts at least three times a week. Then we've got your nutrition component, which is very individualized, starting with a lifestyle audit and a food audit of what your day-to-day -day is like, and then getting into your individualized nutrition targets, focusing on how many calories and how much protein you should be eating to lose weight. And then we've got a really important mindset mastery component where we start to look at kind of your limiting beliefs. Something I run into a lot is women telling me that they self-sabotage, that they start to see results, and then... They feel like they deserve a treat, so they go off the rails. So we do a lot of work on kind of building confidence, building self-esteem, building the skills that you need to, you know, feel like you're capable and worthy of losing this weight and keeping it off. And I'd say that's really like kind of where the magic happens is, you know, if you do any workouts consistently, you're going to see results. If you, you know, focus on eating whole foods and, you know, indulging in moderation, listening to your body, that typically works really where most women that I work with struggle is in the mindset. So that's where that component comes in. Um, so I call it like kind of the three pronged approach where we, you know, we focus on all of those things for kind of the, the whole, you know, 360 degree um, approach that leaves you not just down on the scale, but also feeling confident that you're equipped with the skills that you need to either continue losing weight or keep it off from here on out. Awesome. Well, um, Esther, well, a couple things. First off, you, you sound like, and we should definitely make you an honorary gym whip because it seems like, or at least mine, my, well, I think everyone's, your approach and your line of thinking is very much so in line with the way that we like to approach stuff uh, in so, sort of uh, a, a moderate approach, long-term good habits rather than some sort of crazy shift you know overnight so that's uh you know you should, you should definitely be an honorary gym wit and in in 
and in doing so, you need to make like an awesome name for yourself, like a nickname. Like I'm Chef Sonic. Ryan is Ryan. Uh, I guess Ryan doesn't have a name, but we're still working on that for him. Tony, our, our dietitian, has tips with Tony, so you got to think of some awesome like stage name for yourself. Oh my gosh, I would love to. I don't know if I can do it on the spot, but I'm definitely going to pull that over. And thank you so much for that. You know, I when I found you guys, I started listening to episodes like when I was doing uh, food prep and like nodding so hard. I'm like, you know, in the, in my kitchen alone. And you guys, I think it was one of the episodes of Tips of Tony. Um, and just like nodding, like nodding my head off. I'm like, yes, everything they're saying, I agree with. Um, and it's just really nice to find other people in this industry who take such a sound approach and are like giving good advice. Cause like we talked about, like there's so much bad information out there that I always, you know, I'm always like ready to cringe at what people are about to say. Mm-hmm. And like with you guys, every episode I listen to, I'm like, yep, 100% like could have, couldn't have said it better myself. So I really appreciate hearing, hearing that back. Right, Esther. So you have a code for our listeners. And also, please tell us where we can find you. I do. I would like to, I'd be happy to offer any Jim Wits listeners 20% off the Gone for Good program with code Jim Wits. It'll be all capitals. And my website is estheravant.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A-V-A-N-T.com. And the info about the Gone for Good program specifically is estheravant.com slash gone dash for dash good. Um, but if you just go to my main website, you can get to the program from there as well. And I'm also on Instagram at, at esther.avant. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Esther, well, thank you so much for coming on the Gym Wits. How many more days do you have in paradise? <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny you should ask. I, uh, we're leaving Kauai in a couple hours, but I live oh. on Oahu. So oh, okay. I, okay. Awesome. My, my life is paradise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not nice. to rub it in or anything. Nice. Do, you, do you go uh, surfing? I don't. I've tried. I'm not really comfortable enough in the water to, like, enjoy it. So I'm, I'm more of a hiker. One more question. Do you like spam? Like the meat the spam? The food, not the emails? Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I just... Uh, the other day we were at a restaurant and they give you your, uh, your check in like an, an old can of spam, an empty one. Nice. So I was looking at the nutrition facts and, um, one can is like 1100 calories. Oh, sure. Except like I wouldn't be able to eat a whole lot more for the day. Um, so they actually sell, probably not anywhere but Hawaii, but they sell like single slice packages, like in a little pouch. Oh, yeah. Um, so I buy those and, like, it's enough to get my fix and not enough to like <laughs> accidentally end up yeah. eating the whole can. Yeah. No, <laughs> I guess it, that's when for, uh, soldiers on a battlefield, you need a lot of calories that you can pack into a little thing. But I guess for everyday people, you know, eating a whole can of spam. I don't know if I could eat a bite of spam, actually. <laughs> That's actually a great point, since that was how spam came to be. So that does make sense. But, yeah, yeah it's a hot commodity here. Actually, at, at some of the um, at some of the drugstores, they have the can, the spam under lock and key, kind of like they have oh, the razors. Wow. Yeah. wow that, <laughs> yep. That's crazy. Well, it is what it is. All right, yeah. so, well, thank you so much. Have uh, Enjoy the rest of your vacation and enjoy uh, life on Paradise. And we hope to... I'll talk with you soon. Thank you, guys. This was so awesome. Awesome. Thank you. I didn't mean to come off as sounding anti-American in any way with this little tirade about us taking over, you know, and, and 
slaughtering for, for Native context, Americans. I, as you probably know by now, we just recorded the intro, so Justin realized that we sounded like we were maybe ranting against America or something. And that the wasn't outro. the. In- and we're just ranting against humankind, really. Just I humans so, are yeah. just horrible. Yes. <laughs> humans are but capable. No, we're not, good, not but, anti-American. Yeah. We're just anti-human. No. Yeah, yeah, that's good. We just don't like <laughs> anyone. <laughs> no, no, we're not. We're not that type. No, I hate I know, people I like that. They're like, I don't. I'm not racist. I just don't like. I anybody. just don't like so, anyone. It's like, yeah. But no, I think I, you know, it, it's true. But no, we're, we're not. Um, you know, we're not. We're not railing against our country. We, we've done enough of that over the years. Sure, sure. <laughs> but no, I think uh, we're still happy to be here. Uh, yeah, oh, very happy. Any other I'm, country? You know, let's. We'll, and we're gonna give thanks to it tomorrow. <laughs> yes, exactly. Eat a lot of. No, not turkey, but. Uh, we, yeah, my mom cooks like West Indian stuff. She'll make it turkey. Just but cool. I don't care about that. I just have a West Indian stuff. Yeah, we'll eat a lot go. of food. Um, yeah. And thanks. Yep. So, um, well, this is going to go out after Thanksgiving. So yeah. we hope uh, that everyone in the United States uh, has in, enjoyed their Thanksgiving by the time you listen to this. <laughs> so we're, we're wishing you a good Thanksgiving after the fact. And, and since we're dumb Americans, if you're not in the United States, happy Thanksgiving to you too. Yes, yes. Happy Thanksgiving. Doesn't, what, doesn't everyone around the world celebrate yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving? <laughs> All right. Well. One thanks. We'd like to thank you once always as always for listening to the Gym Wits. Um, yeah. So yeah. close us out, Ryan. Oh yeah. Um yeah, all of our stuff is at thegymwits.com, um, including our Instagram and Facebook and social media and all that good stuff. Uh and as usual, uh, we, ha- we haven't asked the trainer episode coming up, so if you have questions, send them in now. You can email them to thegymwits at gmail.com or you can post them on the website. Uh, there is a form for the Ask the Trainer. So definitely ask questions. And that is it. I'm Ryan Boyd. I'm Justin Guild, aka Chef Sonic, reminding you that truth does not sell. We are the Gibbons. <laughs>